Cool. Well, uh, I've got uh, I've got a word for tonight, as you may have guessed, and uh, I'm excited to present it to you. Okay. So even if you're not excited, get excited, because um, I'm excited. Cool. Cool. How great does this mic sound? Cool. So I've got a little bit of a story and then I'll launch into kind of what we're talking about. Um, first thing is, uh, you know, I was driving today and I just, I just asked the Lord what was on his mind. You know, simple conversation that I uh, try to have with, with people. So I was like, well, let's, let me ask the Lord, you know. I was listening to a, a new playlist playlist that I'm working on called Taste and See, and uh, you know, just feeling really, really close to the Lord as I uh, was as I was driving. Um, and yes, I acknowledge that um, before that it was my fault; it was not His fault. Okay, <laughs> so um, I just asked him kind of what was on his mind, and um, as I was driving, he kind of just launched me into a video um and into a into a vision uh i was still attentive to the road so don't don't worry uh that's why i'm still here in front of you today um and uh it really convicted my convicted my spirit really cut to me um and uh made me analyze how, as i was walking kind of how i was walking and or sorry made me analyze how i was walking while i was driving okay i said that <laughs> wrong but um and i i i've always told you guys that i always want to present what the lord is speaking to me about so here is here's me speaking um to you guys of what the lord has already convicted me about so if I talk in terms that um, are are strong, just know that I already talk to myself in the same way. Okay, everybody, do this so I know that you heard me. Cool, thank you. Um, so I just want to share this with you, um, and uh, then we'll kind of get into a passage regarding it that the Lord showed me. Okay, um, so like I said, I was driving, and the Lord showed me a little bit of a video. And I've never understood the game of darts. Have you guys ever understood really the game of darts? I, the only concept I understand about the game of darts is I want to hit it in the center. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the amount of knowledge that I have around that game. Um, so, and it's similar to the way I, I play cornhole. I just go for the hole. I don't go for just to land on the board like a peasant. Um, I go for the hole. Uh, does it always work out? No. Um, but, uh, you know, we're all in training. Everybody's training, you know, it's, and it's okay. So, But uh, he showed me a dartboard, and he showed me standing in front of this dartboard with a handful of darts. Um, and it was more than I should have been carrying, but he was going to make a point. Um, and uh, the first the first throw, or the, I guess the first um, section of throws, I was one foot in front of the dartboard. Just, you know, one foot. Not very far away. And, you know, because I'm not perfect, uh, I was throwing these darts... And I threw 10 at every single spot, as you'll kind of see as I present this little video that the Lord showed me. And um, I was one foot away from the dartboard, and I threw 10 darts, one after another, just like this. Um, and I hit the bullseye 9 out of 10 times. Okay? Um, yeah, some of you guys are probably thinking, like, hey, why didn't you hit it 10 out of 10 times? You're one foot away from the board. You could probably reach it. Um, but because I'm not perfect, and the Lord wanted to show me that. Um, then he told me to step, uh, three feet back and, you know, three feet, still, still a good amount of space. I threw another 10, um, 10 darts and I hit it eight out of 10 times. And as you can probably guess, then he told me step back to four feet and I, I threw those 10 darts and I hit seven out of 10. Then six feet, I hit four out of 10. And then eight feet, I went zero out of 10. 
Okay. And then he even told me to step back further to 10 feet and um, three out of 10 hit the dartboard just in general. The other ones were just not even on the board. You know, they were in the wall, <laughs> for lack of a better term. They weren't even uh, anywhere close to the board itself, but three of them actually hit the board 10 feet apart. And maybe you don't understand, understand yet of why that kind of cut to the core, um, but um, I want to kind of give you a backdrop of why the Lord spoke to me in that way. Um, and the way that um, he has kind of defined sin over my life is um, missing the mark. Okay, and I know that kind of sounds vague, but like if I sin, I miss Jesus's mark, right? We can all agree on that. So the way I define sin over my own life with conversations of the Lord is, um, is if I sin, I have missed the mark. And I saw, I, I kind of grasped this definition on a whole new level um, today. Um, the further I stepped away from the dartboard, the harder it was to hit the mark. Right? The further I stepped back, the harder and harder it got to hit the mark. Right? Um, and the Lord uh, was telling, telling me, telling us, that if we move further away from the mark, the less accurate we will be on holy living. And yeah, uh, you know, there's a reason why your love is extravagant was sung tonight is because his friendship is intimate. His leading is intimate. It is close by. It's not far away. And the Lord showed me that today, you know, in a, in a different way, right? Uh, still presenting a, a very, very kingdom truth, but presented it in a different way so that I could grasp onto it a little bit more. Um, but when I got closer to the Lord, I'm going to more more frequently hit the mark and not miss the mark, a.k.a. sin, right? And I hope I'm, I'm communicating this properly so that you, you're understanding as much as I understood, um, but it really convicted me. And I've been challenged recently about the, the verse that, uh, that John the Baptist and Jesus spoke. And if you tuned into Monday this week, this is kind of what we talked about, but this is a very different sermon, is this um, verse Matthew 3, 2, um, where it reads, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the Lord has been asking me to repent of things daily. And I feel like I'm in a beautiful process of stepping closer to the board again. You know, we, as much as I try to minimize my mountains and valleys, I still fall into mountains and valleys. I just try to minimize how drastic those changes are in my life, right? And I hope you guys understand what I mean by that. Um, but uh, I feel like I'm in this beautiful process of stepping back closer to the board so I can hit the mark again. So I can throw more accurately. So I can um, more accurately present myself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Um, because I don't know about you guys, but when you're when you're wrong, it sucks. When you mess up, it sucks. I don't like messing up. Um, it's I, I don't. I really don't like messing up. And I, I take that in a worldly perspective, and I and I carry that in a different manner than when I do in a spiritual. Um, in a uh, spiritual living. Um, I don't carry the same weight in my life of, I hate messing up in the world, but I, I don't carry myself to the same weight of messing up spiritually with the Lord. Um, I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? So the Lord is asking me to repent daily of things, and he's illuminating these things to me every single day. Um, and yeah, some are harder than others, and I, I kind of want to talk about that, um, of this of this strong, strong word that Jesus told his um, told his people when the, when he was still walking around on earth of if if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. And um, that's not a beautiful process, as you can imagine. Cutting off a hand or a foot is not a fun fun process. Um, it's actually pretty painful. <laughs> uh, not speaking firsthand, of course, but it's pretty painful. Um, and sometimes the things that we carry close to our hearts and close to our lives are hard to rip away. Um, so I hope you enjoyed my intro. Um, so, but now I'm going to get into the text tonight, okay? <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. Nobody's laughing. Just just Jaden. <laughs> All right. Um, if you want a, <laughs> if you want a title for um, for the message tonight, um, this is still a continuation of our Jesus is series, but it is titled Jesus is calling us to repent. Jesus is calling us to repent. And I guess my first question I want to propose to you, and the first thing I want you to write down is, are you? Question mark. There's been way too many prophecies in this in this um, time about repentance and the kingdom of heaven being near that I can't just leave it out anymore. I can't just not talk about it. And I can't ask you, are you? Okay? Everybody good? Perfect. Turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 42, and we'll just read through uh, 50 tonight, but we'll go to other passages, of course. And this is a pretty harsh word. Um, it's not to be taken lightly. It's to be taken seriously. And I want to present it in a way that doesn't feel like you need to walk away from this place um, and from this um, chat, from this room, um, like, woe is me. I want to present it in a way of just like, hey, you're, you're bigger than that. Okay? Um, hey, you're called better. You're, you're called to higher things than that. Okay? So if you feel yourself slipping into guilt and shame, uh, just know that that's from the enemy, not from the Lord. Okay? Um, did everybody do this if you heard me? Okay? Guilt and shame is not a currency of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? But I do hope this convicts you, because that's a currency of the kingdom of heaven. Cool? All right. All right. So, um, Mark 9, 42 through 50 um, reads, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to be, it would be better for a great millstone be hung around his neck and be thrown into the sea. Verse 43. Yeah, it starts off really, really lammy, right? <laughs> From last Thursday, if you were paying attention. It's my own wife. Continue. Verse 43. And, so on top of that, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crip. Enter life crippled with two hands than to go to hell, um, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. And where, verse 48 where there gosh why am i struggling so much i feel like the old days where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched for everyone will be salted with fire salt is good but if salt has lost its saltiness how will you make it salty again have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another okay so, um, the first half of that, Paul reiterates in 1 Corinthians 8, 12, if you want to reference that later in your, in your um, as you're going to look over your notes this week and just dive back into this word, I'm sure that you guys all do that um, and just really soak up what everything we're talking about. But uh, anyways, 1 Corinthians 8, 12, I just want to read it real quick just to kind of add the cherry on top of what Jesus already spoken, um, and add a little bit of a weight to, um, of, uh, in Paul's words, for lack of understanding. Uh, so, thus sinning against your brothers is wounding their conscience when it is weak, 
you sin against Christ. And then in verse 13, it says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Okay? Wow. So, yeah, that doesn't resonate with me too well for as a person who loves eating meat. Um, but I hope you understand what it actually means. Is If that causes somebody to sin, um, hashtag old covenant terms, yes, um, then... Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay, so <laughs> this all is a very, very heavy word, right? Jesus is saying it's better for you to be drowned than to lead people astray. It's better for you to walk in the life, walk in life with one hand or one foot or one eye than it is to walk with both and be considered quote unquote normal. Um, but it's it's convicting and it makes me never want to do that. <laughs> It makes me never want to uh, sin again. It makes me want to strive for this perfection that Jesus laid out. And Paul says, states, if 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 meat, if I eat meat and it causes brothers to sin or brothers and sisters to stumble, I am actually wronging Christ. Um, so, like, it adds this whole other level of yes, I can do everything in honor to Christ, but how am I honoring the people around me? If I'm not honoring the people around me, then I'm not honoring Christ. Um, and it's this, it's this, it's a tough word, you know? It's it's tough. It's very challenging. It makes it makes me feel uneasy because of I think of the things that I've said to people in my past. And I, I it makes me immediately want to dwell on those things and and all and like be so guilty and full of shame, but that's not what the Lord is saying. He's saying, hey, just don't do it ever again. <laughs> That's all he's saying. He's saying, just don't do it. Just stop it. Cut it off. Don't do it ever again. Okay? Um, and again, this is obviously talking about a spiritual perspective, not a worldly perspective. Correct? Um, and we'll talk about more of that later. So, like, let me put it in a little bit more of today's terms. If I curse and then it becomes a normal for my brothers and sisters in Christ, I begin to start cursing and sinning against Christ. Do you see the weight now? You know, if I just start to normalize something in my own spiritual walk, somebody else who is actually looking up to me is going to start normalizing it in their spiritual walk, and then I am causing not only myself to sin, but them to sin, and then both of us are sinning against Christ. Me more so, though. You see that? You see what Jesus and Paul is saying here? Okay, so we cannot take advantage of a youthful spirit. Okay, what does this mean? It does not mean little children. <laughs> okay, it's fun to mess with little kids and tell them little, I guess what we've chalked up as white lies, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, because there is this childlikeness of belief and like, oh, you're older, so you must know things. Um, but even that gets us in trouble, Right. I remember in, me and my siblings joke about it all the time is my mom told us this this little, little lie. And she said, uh, everybody who puts blue lights on their house during Christmas time is Jewish. I don't know why she told us this lie, uh, you know, um, but it's obviously a lie. Um, and, you know, Juliet uh, came to find out about it probably five years ago, which is really funny. Uh <laughs> So, you know, it's just these little lies that influence the way we actually look at reality and how we interpret truth. And I know that's a silly example, but just wanted to paint this picture of like even the most in, uh, insignificant things can mark somebody for the rest of their life. Okay? We've talked about before um, in Guy's group of like, okay, was I actually ever an orphan? Or is that just something that uh, that just tenderizes my spirit? You know, is that actually biblical truth? Is that actually theological? Um, or is it just something to say? You know, so um, yeah. Does that all make sense? Yeah, cool. So we can't take advantage of the youthful spirit, right? And again, this is not just talking about children. This is talking about new believers, right? 
Just because you are insecure on yourself does not mean that you can skew the truth so that people can take you more seriously, right? Um, it's a dangerous, dangerous trap. We see it a lot. Um, and I want to just tell you, hey, don't do it, okay? Um, <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for your well-being and it's not good for your, inter uh, for your eternity either, okay? Um, so now kind of going back to Mark chapter 9. Um, Mark 9 goes on and says, if anything causes you to sin, cut it off. Um, and Jesus, I think, I feel, as I read this, feels pretty strongly about this. Uh, you don't just um, start your ministry off with saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, um, if you're not serious about repentance. And you don't just reiterate it in, Mar in, in the, this gospel and saying, hey, if this causes you to sin, don't do it again, right? Because that's all repenting means, right? It says, it means uh, changing your, per or it, says, it, it means doing the opposite of that sin. Going towards God, not away from him, going towards God, seeking after his face, doing the things of him, seeing the world from God's perspective instead of our stupidity and our perspective. Okay? Does that make sense? Good. Good, good. Um, so, like, in all honesty, he, what he's saying is if your phone is causing you to sin, I want you to throw it away. If your feet allow you to travel into a place that you should not be traveling into, cut them off so you can't go in. Like, do you hear the urgency behind this? And you know, because I've said it before, and I hope that you've read your scripture before, that Jesus doesn't just say things to say things. He means this. You know? Like, I was even... I was even uh, contemplating while I was in my two-week quarantine of getting rid of my iPhone because I was wasting so much time on it. You know, I look at my bullcrap screen time, and thanks, Apple, for adding, it, adding that because um, now I have to face it every single week. Um, and my average screen time was like four hours a day, and that's pathetic. You know, how much more? could I be doing if I cut that off, you know? And I know it's like, oh, something I hold so close to me. <laughs> and, you know, it's the way I communicate with everybody. And like, hey, there's other ways. You know, there's other ways. We can figure it out. And I just found myself wasting so much time. So I was, I was challenged with that. Um, but, you know, some things you just need to uh, turn from and resist the temptation. Right? Cool. Um, yeah, so I guess, do you get the point so far? Jesus feels very strongly about this. And if something causes you to sin, he's telling you to cut it off. Right? It's harsh. It's, it's intense. It makes me look at my entire life and say, oh crap, there's a lot of things that cause me to sin. There's a lot of things that tempt me in sin. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Well, Jesus is telling me to cut it off. There's your answer, right? So I get that on, you know, physical and outward displays, right? I get that in that, I guess, perspective. But what about in my mind? <laughs> what do I do with the crap that goes on in my mind and the temptation and the thoughts and the sin that happens in my mind? What happens when somebody cuts me off and my immediate reaction is, I'm pissed at you and I want you to die? How do I cut that off? Right? How do I do that? Because that's the guy gets it a little bit closer to home. That you know, that that kind of stirs in me a little bit, and I think that's harder than the physical outward display, right? Do you guys agree with me? Yeah. The refinement of our mind, I feel like, is a little bit harder than, oh, I, I, uh, this or that causes me to sin, so I'll just stop. I'll just put it in the dumpster tomorrow. You know? How does this look? If your mind, if your mind wanders into things that, that it shouldn't, then what do I do? What do you guys think?
What do you guys think? Come on, this is dead air on the podcast. Okay, well, here's the answer. Renew it. Renew it, right? If I have a mind that is leading me astray, then I need to renew it. And who knows how to renew their mind? And I don't want you to answer in the Sunday school way, because we've been answering that way for way too long, and I don't think it's really actually done anything over our lives. I want you to say, what does this look like in my life? I, want, I, I really actually want you to answer this in front of all your friends. What does it look like to renew my mind? Uh, well, one example for me is I go all the way back to the start of my journey, and I go read through Mark. And I just read through Mark whenever I'm feeling myself like, you know, you know, feeling just weird about stuff. Whenever I'm, you know, feel like I'm straying away or I'm not focusing on the Lord as much, I like to go back because Mark is where I really started falling in love with the Lord. Yeah. And I like to go back and specifically read through that because it really makes me like, I get to think of the things that I really liked about it and I get to see it on a deep, deeper level. And it just kind of like, sparks this renewing i guess not renewing but like just putting me right back on path yeah revisiting your first love fire cool what what else anybody else want to add to that what does it look like to actually renew my mind come on give me at least one more you silly people Um, I would say, thanks Zach. Um, you're welcome Lex. Um, I would say for me, what it really takes is like putting aside everything else, like not like just going in your bedroom, like putting your phone on silent, throwing it on the ground, whatever you have to do and kind of like isolating yourself with the Lord, like getting alone with the Lord and completeness, not, Oh, I'm alone with the Lord, but my phone's sitting right here. So I can see a notification every time it comes up Yeah. or, you know, Oh, I'm alone with the Lord, but the TV's on idly. So I'm half paying attention. Um, and I think just kind of that kind of that moment of like dead silence with the Lord, um, just kind of sitting there, um, I feel like that's where you're, you can really hear what he has to say and it 100% renews your mind. Great. I agree. I agree. I love it. Thank you, guys. I think it's so strong, or I think it's so important that we need to answer that question over our own lives. Okay? If you don't feel, like com uh, feel comfortable sharing in front of your friends, that's okay. Just write it down, okay? And... Because we need to go through this process. You know, just like Tommy was saying, you know, there are lulls in our faith. And yeah, we're human. It's bound to happen. I don't want to normalize it. I don't want to say that it's okay. But I think Tommy's response and Zach's response is beautiful. Is okay. Now I've I, I noticed that I'm slipping. And how fast do I notice that I'm slipping, right? And then how fast do I jump back in, right? Does that make sense? So with us renewing our mind, it's so, so important, okay? Um, the way I guess I want to present it to you tonight on how to renew your mind is getting closer to the dartboard. Taking taking some steps closer to the dartboard, okay? Um, and, and yeah, maybe this is a silly, silly vision that I had, but it painted such a clear picture for me um, of, of this. And, you know, I, sometimes I look at, okay, how far away can I get from the dartboard and hit the board, right? We've all played that game, you know? We've all played that game of, even in our, in our real life, of how far away can I get from this board and 
And now, you know, me and my buddy Chandler did this all the time. We would bet each other a dollar who could get closer to the center um, for every single step back that we would take. And it was a game that we played. And, you know, I would never win. <laughs> I would lose money. Um, but it, it was sometimes we view this as like a challenge. And how do we approach that in our spiritual life the same way? It's like, well, I'm good with the Lord. I had just this amazing experience and I've been spending a ton of time with him. But now I'm just going to challenge myself and try to step away from the board and see if I hit the mark still. How often do we do this in our faith walk? Right? Because there is still that pride and that ego and that arrogance that we do walk in because we're human. Um, and, you know, we need to acknowledge that we still do that. But then we're just like, well, let me take another step back and see if I can still hit that. You know? Right? It gets to this dangerous, dangerous game that we start playing with, I guess, you and the Lord's friendship and intimacy and relationship. Is how far away can I get and still hit? Right? How little can I do and still hit? Right? What a challenge you need to hear tonight. Right? Because that's the plague of our generation, <laughs> is how little can I do and still get and still reap the benefits? Right? It's tragic. And we cannot implement that into our faith walk. We cannot implement that into our relationship with Christ. Do you hear that? Do you hear me tonight? Because I'm talking to you. I am talking to you. I am preaching to you. You know, this is a big, big deal. It's not a game. It's not a game. Because if you're anything like me, I hate missing. I hate being wrong. I hate missing the mark. I like to be at the top. You know? Okay. We can't do it further away from Christ. It just isn't good enough. No. You know, some of us have chalked up our faith walk with Christ as just in the entire dartboard. You know, and we say, well, that's good enough. I hit the board. You know, that is not true. It's either Jesus, the one way, the, the bullseye, <laughs> or it's nothing. Right? Picture the dartboard as just the bullseye sitting on a wall. That's the standard. And if you if you and your ego and you and your arrogance think that you can step far away from Jesus and still hit that mark, I'm sorry, man, you are so far off. It's not good enough just to hit the board anymore. Okay? And this is a life of repentance. That's all it is. You know? Jesus told us how to do this. He just said, repent. Oh, okay. So if I'm doing something wrong, you're going to show me what I'm doing wrong, Jesus? And he says, yeah. And then you just need to repent of it. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And that's what a life with Christ is. It's nothing. It, there's no gimmicks and games. It's just, okay. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for telling me what I'm doing wrong. Right? How much would it suck if your boss never told you what you what was wrong and he just said, well, I'm done with you, you're fired, right? That would be really a, that would be a huge bummer. You're like, well, no, I actually want to learn. You know, tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can improve. Jesus is doing the same thing, all right? I know that was a weird example, but whatever. I think it's important, okay? Now, um, I kind of want to transition. Um, same topic, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but I want to transition into Isaiah 66, okay? Um, and... There's this weird thing that happens in Jesus's uh, kind of sermon here that he's giving about cutting things off. And depending on what translation you have, uh, this line of the where the worm won't die and the fire um, won't be quenched is repeated three times. Okay, and some in some uh, translations, it's not accounted three times, but you can at least see it that one time. Um, and uh, I want to kind of add a little bit of a meaning to this because that's the first time I read it, I was like, ah, oh, that's random, <laughs> you know, like worms and fire. What are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? But I don't, I want to add a little bit more 
because what Jesus is actually saying here is pretty loud um, and pretty in our face. But I want to kind of give you the entire backdrop of Isaiah 66. Um, as you might guess, uh, the book of Isaiah is very prophetic. <laughs> um, it's very prophetic. It was written by a prophet, and it is all prophecy. Uh, I, I'm laughing because it's all prof prophetic. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for laughing. Um, and this is a direct quote from Isaiah 66, and you'll, you'll find it in verse 24. And Isaiah, if you don't know Isaiah very well, there's 66 chapters, and the verse 24 is the last verse. Uh, so it must be kind of important. <laughs> Do you see that? It's the last thing that Isaiah captures from the Lord uh, before, I guess, his book ended, um, <laughs> or his life ended, one of the two. Um, <laughs> all right, I, I'm probably guessing it was his life. I don't know, but I'm guessing it's his life because a prophet doesn't just run out of prophecies. Okay, but whatever. I'm not going to read it all to you. Um, I want to challenge. I want to ask you to read Isaiah 66 on your own time, because um, this is not, um, you know, us gathering at the library for me to read books to you. It's to me for me to preach to you. So um, I'm going to read a little bit of it, but not all of it. Okay. But I want to kind of give you a, a fly overview of what Isaiah 66 is saying. So it talks a lot about. When can we do that, Lex? <laughs> um, when we gather again. <laughs> we can have story time. That's good. I don't know how to get rid of that. Close. Nice. Thank you. All right. Um, so. We see in Isaiah 66 um, the beauty of Jerusalem's temple. Um, it, it presents us that the, even the, the immaculacy uh, and the beauty and the, the awe and wonder that Jerusalem's temple had was inadequate for a God who was present everywhere. You know, I, and I think that's a truth today, right? Um, we, I'm not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> I think it's very true today. I'll let you, uh, yeah, go. Cool. Um, and then it goes, it launches into God cannot be f confined to any box. Okay. And what this is really saying is the prof the prophetic of, um, of man can't contain God. Um, even in our own lives, uh, even in our in our churches, we can't contain God to just a, a small segment of what we believe is Him. He's going to do whatever He wants, correct? And then it presents all of these things. Uh, God will lift up the humble, right? A.K.A. He will honor the repentant. Yes? Cool. Good. God will honor, oh, sorry, God will judge all people. Correct? Which is then going back to what Mark 9 says, a.k.a. heaven or hell. Yes? Okay, that's what a judge does is, hey, this is where you're going. <laughs> right? That's all a judge does. That's his job. You know, this is where you're going. <laughs> yeah, okay. I know that's super simple, but whatever. Uh, then it says, God will destroy the wicked. Um, destroying the wicked, a.k.a. looks like hell. Okay? Um, then God will bring all believers together. Well, this is, okay, cool. Now it's starting to lift up a little bit more. This is good. A.k.a. unity, right? And then God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Also known as the fullness of his glory. Right? That's really cool. Yes? But then... You know, in this Isaiah 66, it also presents these two contrasting ways of living. One is the humble, who have a profound reverence for God's message and, and their application to life. And then the other is the arrogant, who choose their own way. Right? The sacrifices of the arrogant were all external compliances, but in their hearts they were actually all murderers, perverts, and idolaters. Okay, but God shows mercy to the humble, aka the repentant, 
but curses the proud and the self-sufficient. You see these contrasting views of living, right? We see these firsthand every single day. We see ourselves um, every other day living in one of these, right? Maybe you have longer stretches of one than the other. Um, I'll let you decide that. Um, <laughs> but there's this beauty of what um, of what Jesus is coming to do and what Jesus is touching on in Mark 9. But I want to first touch on what uh, Mary says about Jesus. And this is fascinating. And Luke 1 Verses 51 through 53, it says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. You see this? Right? Just reiterating what Isaiah already prophesied. Right? And then verse 53 in Luke 1 says, He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. This is, what she, this is what Mary is saying. That's pretty cool, right? No? Okay, cool. I'm going to keep on going anyway. All right. What was the verse? Yeah, uh, thanks. It's Luke 1, 51 through 53. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. It's, you know, Mary, this was before Jesus was born. Um, if we're looking at the timeline, and she is already understanding who she is carrying or possessing, you know, kind of thing. Like, do you see the weight of that? And it's directly from Isaiah 66. So arrogance makes us to be assertive and to affirm ourselves. Right? In other words... If you're arrogant in your faith, you think that you have it all figured out, but you're the furthest, <laughs> right? And whoopsie, <laughs> whoopsie, I've fallen, all right? But uh, yeah, that's not good. Uh, the arro that's, what, that's what arrogance does. That's what pride does. That's what ego does. It makes us to be assertive and to affirm ourselves, right? So we can't let our freedom and our right to choose lead us from lead us away from God's pathway to eternal life. Right? Like I said earlier, he already has all of this mapped out and he gives you the answers that you need. Not that you want, that you need. Cuz you're not God. He doesn't report to you. You report to him. Right? If you think God reports to you, I'm sorry, you're more in the arrogance bubble. But if you see yourself as a servant of Almighty God and waiting for your next order, good. Right? That's, that's humility. That's knowing my place. Right? That is me saying, here I am, send me. Here I am, take me. I am the sacrifice. Right? There's a lot of humility tied up in that. I hear all the time from my generation that he is that he is good and happy with his children all the time. And yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But I'm also afraid that we're losing track of his judgment and his wrath that's also tied to that. You know, why would he be so concerned about his children repenting if he was just good and happy and I'm going to forgive that and like Oprah, I forgive that. You, you're, you're forgiven, you know, and he does that. But like, why would he be so concerned about this concept of repentance if he just gave away freely forgiveness and gave away grace freely, right? This is captured, I, I believe, in either in Romans or 1 Corinthians of like, hey, don't take for granted the grace of God. Though it may abound, don't take for granted it. Still, strive for holy living. Right? Does that make sense? He's also a judge and, a, and he also has wrath. What we just need to understand is that Jesus actually saved us from God's wrath. Right? Jesus didn't just save us from hell. <laughs> he saved us from God's wrath. Right? He's the judge. He's the one making up his mind on where we're headed. 
Not the devil, make, the, the devil's not the judge. If we think that Jesus just saved us from hell, then I'm, I'm sorry, we're probably looking at the devil higher than God. Right? But God actually saved us from himself by sending Jesus. Because he is just, and he is righteous, and he has wrath. Or else why would we ever want to hold ourselves to a holy standard of living if everybody just gets into heaven? Right? There would be no purpose. Does that make sense? I hope it does. All right, now go to Isaiah 66. We'll, uh, I want to read 21 through 24. I can read it if you want. Is that a slight to my reading skills tonight? No, I'm just trying to be active and engaged. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let me... Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you? Okay. All right. I'm reading out of uh, ESV. All right. Verse 21. Thanks. And some of them also I will take for priests and for Le Levites says the Lord. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be in Adhorrence of all flesh. Okay. Thanks, Zach. So, um, Isaiah wraps up, you know, this whole entire, I guess, chapter just beautifully, right? For, for the faithless, there's this sobering portrayal of a judgment, right? And for the faithful, there's this glorious uh, picture of a rich reward, right? So your offspring and your name will endure, Right? That's not, that's, I hope you understand that that's not just all earthly. I love the earthly side of that because that's what I can uh, comprehend now. But I'm sorry that, that, uh, that line where it reads, um, your name will endure. Uh, you know what that means? Your name will be written in the book of life. Do you hear that? And the book of life is, hey, <laughs> like a guest book at a wedding saying, I'm here. <laughs> Right? You know, that's what that's what entering into heaven is like. It's like this beautiful reunion of, of bride and groom. And you're just getting to sign the book because I'm the church. You're the church. And he's the groom, bridegroom. You see this? And it's this beautiful picture of like, okay, both worlds coming together. And I get to, you know, I get to, my name endures forever. Do you get that? Cool. I hope you. I hope you grasp that. The offspring part is beautiful because it's our charge to be a a generation that raises up the next generation, right? If you were here on Monday, you would understand that a whole other whole other way. But like our generation and what we possess is to be launched into the next generation so that they can possess it and take it to another level, right? And that's what that means: is your offspring and your name will endure. It's beautiful, beautiful picture, right? <clears throat> this contrast is, is interesting that it would seem that everybody would want to be a God's follower, right? But we often find ourselves just being as rebellious, just as foolish, and just as reluctant to change as the Israelites, right? Things aren't going my way, so I'm up in arms, and I'm going to blame everybody around me because I'm up in arms, right? <laughs> And that's, hey, if you've read anything about the Israelites, I just summed it up perfectly. So you're welcome. All right. Um, it's just like, woe is me. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. All right. Hey, hey, PSA, don't be a victim. All right. I'm going to move on. All right. So we're just as often just like that. Victim to our circumstance. And I get it. I don't like bad circumstances either, but I'm sorry. I'm going to reign over them. Okay. But um, anyways. 
we are just uh do i want to say no we just need to make sure we're part of the people being richly blessed right and we have a say in that why because we have this thing called free will and we do have the right to choose and it's just a matter of how we position our free will right is my position to throw the dart sideways or in front of me right it should be at the, wherever i'm throwing it it should be at the dartboard and hitting the bullseye that's the point right I, the dartboard could be behind me, but if I know that the Lord's will is on it, I can throw that dart just like dude's perfect and it will land, right? On the first take, not the 700th take that all we, uh, you know, we see that, but what, you know, you get it. All right. We want to land it the first time. Why? How? Oh, by renewing of mind, by walking in repentance and saying, I'm going towards you, God, and I'm going to step closer to you. I'm going to strive to be right next to you, Jesus. And if I'm not, I ask you that you would tell me. Does that all make sense? Good. Well, I haven't even talked about the, the part in Mark 9 yet. And this is where it gets fascinating. And this is where it kind of ends in like a oh crap moment <laughs> of what Jesus is actually saying, right? We saw this this way of doing Bible study last week, and I'm going to do it again, all right? Because it's this beautiful picture of what Jesus is actually saying um, when he says, cut off things, cut off things, <laughs> the worm will never die, all of this stuff, okay? So if we look at this, it says... Um, uh, the worm not dying and the fire not being quenched. And, you know, my first read through this is, okay, is he calling the unrepentant worms? <laughs> you know, just like, do you understand? Would you want to be called a worm? I, I No, I don't see much use for a worm unless I'm uh, fishing. You know? All I see worms doing is digging holes in tomatoes and creeping me out, right? And I, like, I guess here's where I came to, and, and here's my study on it, all right? So soak it in. The Greek word in this situation for worm is actually better translated into maggot, okay? Um, and this is fascinating. So... This is Isaiah and Jesus saying and referring to a uh, to the the time period of uh, garbage disposal. Okay, do you see this? I'm going to elaborate more, but I, I kind of want to dangle it before I do. Like where the worms don't die, he, this same thing the Lord is saying that Jesus is saying is this is the use. For those people who are unrepentant, garbage disposal. So Jesus is portraying this truth of the method of how to dispose of your garbage to emphasize this, the permanent consequences of unrepentant sin. Like, Oh, frick, I don't want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible to me. Here, let me uh, let me bump up the volume a little bit more just to add a little bit more emphasis to what Jesus is saying here. So in Isaiah 66, Isaiah is speaking of Jerusalem here. Um, so just to take this to another level, um, uh, he talks about uh, uh, the... When he says in Mark 9, 47 where it says holy fire, or sorry, hellish fire, sorry, not holy fire, very different things. <clears throat> Mark 9, 47, that's actually Jesus referring to a location, okay? Um, and it's a location on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and it's called, I'm going to butcher this, but it's called the Gena fire, okay? Um, this is also better known as, um, or Gena is also referred to as the Valley of Hinnom, okay? Um, and I know this is probably like, okay, cool, Lex, thanks, you know, for the geography lesson. But I, I just want to paint a beautiful picture for you. This 
this valley of Hinnom is located outside of Jerusalem. And it's, it's this valley that they have called Hinnom is our modern-day landfill. Okay? So that's what Jesus is referring to. It's a modern-day landfill. And what they would do is they would throw all of their trash, animal carcass, and dead bodies of criminals into this valley of Hinnom. So when Jesus is talking about the worms and, you know, all of this, he's actually painting this picture of you are... <laughs> let me add, let me bump it up one more time, okay? Let me add just, just a little bit more to it. If the wind blew a certain way, you could smell this place. And it was, you know, rancid, just as you can imagine. Have you ever been around a bunny that you didn't know it was there? Like Greeley, you mean? <laughs> I was literally going to unmute for that, Zach. You beat me to it. <laughs> Thank you. So, like, it just reeks. Probably worse than Greeley, though, because that's just manure, you know? Like, it reeked of dead. Or to put it this way, it reeked of death. It reeked of death. And what's amazing is Jesus, while he was speaking in Mark 9, he's really close to this location. Okay? He's in, he's in this general area. So when he was saying this, everybody understood what he was saying. They were like, oh, oh, shoot. Okay, and now I understand why this is important, right? Now it's starting to hit you as well. Of like, oh, okay. Okay, maybe I need to repent more. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm telling you tonight, okay? <laughs> so maybe repent more because what he's actually saying, do you see the picture here? Jesus was saying that you are just as useless as eating garbage, a.k.a. pigs, right? Because that's what pigs do. The pig is hungry, they're going to eat the thing in front of it, even if it's their brother <laughs> or their best friend. They're going to eat it, Right? And as of right now, in Mark 9, I'm sorry, but pork, pigs, still unclean. You see this? Do you see the point that Jesus is making here? You worm of unrepentance. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you see the whole picture? Does this make sense? I hope so. Let me turn back to Mark 9. And if you would do the same, that would be great. No coffee tonight, Lex? No coffee tonight. I didn't have time to prepare it for myself. So let me just read Mark 9, 47, just so that I make sure that this lands tonight. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Do you see that? Do you see what Jesus is saying about sin that we continue to go back to? Right? Oh, and we just talked about the worm. Let me talk about the fire real quick. <laughs> the fire, what do you think that unquenchable fire is? It's not the eternal flame at the Olympics. In case that was your... Hell? Yeah, it's hell. So a place where the dead... <laughs> where you eat dead, where you eat death, not life, right? Because we only eat life and, and interact with life with Jesus. So the opposite of that must be eating death. Yes? I know that sounds really bizarre, but hey, it's truth. Um, so, eating death and a fire that we can't put out at all. You see the urgency behind repenting of your sins. You see the urgency of why 
John the Baptist was even prophesied about of the guy, of the foreteller, of the Jesus who is forgiving sins. Do you understand all of the picture here? That's beautiful. It's incredible, right? So now what do we do? Oh, okay. What do we do? Oh, we start repenting. That's it. You know? Because the Lord is already showing you stuff. The Lord has already illuminated everything that you need to know. Right? If you feel like you don't know enough, I'm sorry, you're not God. But he has shown you everything that you need to know so that you can walk closer with him. So you can truly lay at his feet. Right? How, you can't get much closer to somebody than sitting on their feet. Right? Do you see the urgency? I want you to capture it tonight. You know? And I don't want you to rank your sin right now. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to say, hey, sin is sin, and I need to get rid of it. Right? And I'm sorry, you're still going to hit 9 out of 10. Why? Because you're not Jesus. You know, if you hit 10 out of 10, great. That was a really good week. <laughs> okay? But, you know, you're still going to mess up. Because it says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. You know? And that's why Jesus came. is because we can't be perfect. But, man... I want to really, really try. You know, like, what would be the purpose of practicing anything if I wasn't going to get better at it? Right? That's why I practice things. That's why I practice guitar. That's why I practice golf. That's why I practice everything that I do is so that I can get better at it. Right? That's it. No, why is boot camp so long? Oh, so you get the gist of it. Right? You're still gonna get you're still gonna mess up. You know? But hey, it's all about learning how to minimize those mess ups because you don't want to face what's in front of you when you do mess up, right? And it's the way it goes. Can't confirm. <laughs> right? And it's huge. We have to understand this truth. I want to add a little bit le a level of urgency to it. Where Jesus is saying it's it's one better to have a, a weight tied around your neck so uh, neck so that you drown than to mess with somebody's faith, and then two, it's better for you to cut off something than for you to turn into something that eats trash. Whoa. He says, it's better for you to walk in one-handed into life. You see, do you see it? It's better for you to walk in one-footed. It's better to you to walk in with 20 vision. Get it? Because it's not 20-20. Okay, does that make sense? Do we get the full picture of what Jesus is saying here and how serious he is about repentance? Right? I'm sorry, we can't just accept Jesus as, as lamby lamb, butterflies and roses Jesus, or else we take away the entire book of Revelation and some of the book of First Thessalonians. And we can't do that. We can't do that anymore. We have to understand him in his fullness and in his and in the magnitude of who he is yes he is the lamb of god but he's also the lion of judah like we learned last week he is the lion of judah he's coming back to judge of what your unrepentant sin right that's what he's coming to judge i don't know if you guys understand that every sin that you keep on sinning in he's judging that thing not the ones that you did do so just move on from those yeah? He's already forgiven them. Some of you guys are guilty of the sins that you did when you were three years old. It's like, move on. Have you done it again? Oh, cool. Don't do it ever again. Move on. That's repentance. Saying, Lord, what 
are you asking me to do today? Lord, what's on your mind for me today? How can I serve you today? Right? Because I don't want to lose track of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I can't lose track of that part too. Right? But there's a reason why he says repent. <laughs> okay? There's a reason. Because kingdom of heaven is coming. The Lion of Judah is going to come. If it's not our lifetime, great. We're still going to have to face it. We're still going to have to face judgment. And I would be doing you a disservice if I told you that you were doing everything okay. Right? Okay. <laughs>